0: Welcome to The Network, our attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. If you don't know anything about The Green Book, I invite you to Google it. With each interview, we are building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Every episode is an invaluable resource for black people living in and traveling through America. Subscribe to The Network. You may need it. Today's guest, today's honored guest is Marcus Castile. Marcus, welcome to the network.
1: Brother Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's a privilege and an honor. I receive it as a blessing, man. Thank you.
0: Good. Man, I'm I'm glad to, so glad to have you here. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Give our listeners a little bit of background information. Tell us who Marcus Castile
1: is. Man, I grew up in Truman. Um, uh the neighborhood, they call it right across from Rosewood. So, but it, it was basically Truman. Um, grew up poor, man. Just uh, I went to uh Lafayette Middle. I was gifted and ta- talented. That's where I met you. Um, uh, we went we would bust across town. So, uh it was a, a it was just uh interesting that um i felt like i didn't know i was poor i I, it was just amazing uh i didn't know i was poor until i really went across the street uh and 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 went to a a high school buddy of mine's house and and they had real art on the wall so (laughs) i was like man this is this is this is superb and and i just took it at that you know it was just like man i want something like that when i grow up but uh just had that burning desire for more. Uh I knew I always knew I was different. So but uh that's who I am, man. Katieana High wrecking Rams for Life 95. That's about it, man.
0: All right. So some people may not be familiar with Truman. So Truman is, is a neighborhood in Lafayette, Louisiana. Describe Truman for us
1: well um inner city um basically you the it was it was not up to date there was the the north side and there was the south side south side was where where the mall was i remember uh actually taking the bus to the Katyana mall every saturday with my aunt and we saw the nice houses and we saw the Really nice things, but that's not the side of town we we were on. Truman, <laughs> Truman was the, uh was basically the, where the small houses, were, the shotgun houses were. Um, it was not a whole lot to do, but um, I remember OJ uh, Simpson, Mouton Pool. That's about it. Um, but Truman wasn't wasn't a whole lot to do. But ride bikes, maybe get in trouble. Uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So my grandmother lived in Truman. She actually lived in the Truman Projects. You mentioned one other thing that was very interested about being bussed. So I know, so I grew up down the street from Truman in a neighborhood called Wine Alley, okay? Not far from Truman at all. Walking, I mean, walking distance, 10, 15-minute walk maximum. But when we got to high school, I was bussed. All the way to Lafayette High School, which was not so much on the south side, but kind of like on the west side of town. Nowhere near. I lived closer to two high schools than I did to Lafayette High. Didn't realize it at the time that we were still part of the rollout of Brown versus the Board of Education. You know, that we were still being desegregated at the time. You went to Acadiana. What was that like going from Truman to Acadiana?
1: It was a 20-minute approximately drive. This was the other side of town. Uh, I remember having to walk home. Man, it took me all day to get home. Um, Yeah. So, uh, Acadiana, you know, this was, you know, a whole lot of us were not going there. Uh, It was mainly uh, Caucasian population. Um, So, I didn't re- again I'm this is all retrospective. I didn't realize that you know this was a a move to end that stuff. So Acadiana okay, was new.
0: Yeah, we listen, we had no idea. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. I remember so we were in the gifted and talented program together when we were kids. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a big culture shock because even when we did Uh, go to the the primary school for Gifted and Talented. You were there. And there were other kids there, you know, so we could still see each other, hang out with each other. It wasn't until I got into ninth grade and I went to freshman orientation at Lafayette High, I had never seen that many white people in one place in my life. It was complete culture shock. Complete culture shock. I'm 14 years old and never... And that's the crazy thing. So you mentioned, you know, there's the North side where we grew up and then there's the South side and they are nothing alike. They are nothing alike. And, you know, talking to people back home today, you know, they say that those differences are just exacerbated now, that it's even worse now than it was when we were growing up.
1: If Mike, if I can say, I can remember um, being in a regular class probably ninth grade year and um, I was doing so well and I actually got a chance to go to the advanced class uh, which which was trig trig and analysis Mm -hmm. and man that was culture shock for me with me being probably the only maybe one or two brothers in there and I thought I really thought I didn't belong there until I actually started doing the work. I could handle being around them because they were they were not as smart, not not as smart as me. I could do the work. I could handle it. And once they saw I could handle it, man, they had to step back and say, look, I'm I'm I'm, I'm one of them. Or whatever, whatever you want to say, I could yeah. compete with you.
0: Good. All right. So you graduate from Acadiana High School. You go to college at UL Lafayette what What was the motivation to for you for going to college
1: brother Mike it was money man i I was so tired of being poor. my goodness i was see and in, it's in I have an excellent relationship with my dad now, but younger, I never realized that my dad was never working. He never held a steady job. So I can remember this instance uh, about a heater. It was cold. It was freezing cold in my house. And um, my mom actually worked all day. She came home, found out the the heater was broken. And I don't know how the conversation went, really. But long story short, she had to borrow $40 from one of my relatives uh, or aunt or something like that to get up to buy a here that stuck out to me i mean we froze all day i'm like and i said as a man i'm never gonna have be in a position where i'll be like i'm gonna have some money i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna do what it takes so even though my major was science my major was actually money it was my motivation was to get the money. It wasn't about the degree. It was about the money. It was getting out of my present position. So I was going to do whatever I take because I thought education was the key to get the money.
0: Yeah, so that's good. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, this this brother told you that even though he majored in science, he was really majoring in money. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to find him on Instagram or Twitter. You can find him at money, the number four, Marcus. So you go to school for science, you come out of UL, and you teach for a little while. Tell us, because you're no longer teaching right now, correct? Right, I'm full-time. Okay, so tell us what led to your transition out of education, and tell us what you're doing
1: right now. Wow, Mike. Um, so I taught for, I graduated from, um, uh, from college in UL in 2000, man. Um, I could remember talking to the HR person in Beaumont. That's my first job. Uh, she said I was going to be making $31,000 a year, man. I thought I was rich. I could see it now. I was going to buy my mama a house, buy my mama a car. Man, I was so excited. Nobody could tell me nothing. Um, fast forward two years, I'm reading a book called The Automatic Millionaire, and I found out I could be saving on 403B. Now, I never, you know, nobody told me this. I mean, uh, I, I, my school was kind of in the hood, so I guess nobody actually came to our school. The advisor never came to our school and told us about it long story short, I called my HR the benefits department, got them on the phone. I said, I want to start doing this. In less than two years of saving 10% of my gross income, I had over five figures in my account. I always go back to what if somebody would have told me when I first started. Yeah. Now, in 2013, um, I was I had, uh, I actually step up out of the classroom to do it full time. Um, In less than one year, I helped over 170 educators in Beaumont, Port Arthur area with investing and retirement. It was because everybody was just like me. Nobody is telling them how to invest their money. Nobody is telling them about retirement. So people just flocked to me because they saw me, I was an educator, I'm trustworthy, not going to steal your money. So a couple of situations happened um, in Fort Bend, um, and I was teaching. I was was accused of doing something I never did, and I said, man, I'm going to put my whole effort into helping people with their money, and I've never looked back.
0: Man, that's that's awesome. Same situation for me. I didn't start in education, but I remember um, I was working at a nonprofit and uh, whoever was in charge of investments came to talk to us. And I had never heard of anything like that in my life. And they would match up to 4%. But I was so lost. I was so ignorant to investing and they gonna match my money. What 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 is that? Man, honestly, mm-hmm. I thought it was gambling. Mm-hmm. I thought it was gambling. So I did not initially start investing because I had no idea what it was. It it was a couple of years later, because the people would come every year. The actual the CEO of our company, who was a black guy, older black gentleman named Leonard, he just came and he said why aren't you guys, you know, talking to me, another guy, why aren't you guys investing your money?
1: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: we're we're giving you, the company is going to give you 4%. They're going to match up to 4%. Why aren't y'all investing? And you know, we're just like, man, we, we don't even know what this is. So he had to actually sit down with us and, and break it down for us, for us to understand. And man, I'm so appreciative of that. And I appreciate that what you're doing.
1: So I understand that this is a passion for you, right? Definitely. Mike, just like we grew up on the North side and there were inequities in the North side, right? Mm -hmm. There are inequities uh, when it comes to investing. Could you remember anybody coming to your doorstep from let's say Edward Jones or Fidelity say, hey, look, why don't you come invest your money with us? Has that ever happened? Never. In the house that you're living in now, has that happened?
0: Oh, it's happened where I live now.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, the long. What happens is, in certain school districts, there's certain schools that never get bit in. Uh, that never get visited by advisors. So when I started doing it, I said man nobody has been to your school and talked to you about this absolutely not so it was like i was the first person to actually and start teaching educators about how to invest their money now it's more acceptable and open i felt like i was a trailblazer in that industry so this is my passion this is my crusade to help people and understand this because no there are certain pockets of people they have they don't they don't know what a full three B is they don't know what the rock IRA they don't know the stock. they're fearful of the stock market.
0: hmm hmm I'm going to read this from your questionnaire because I really want people to hear this. This is what you said. My passion is to create generational abundance through financial re-education, brother. That that that's solid goal right there. That's solid gold. That's a. I'm telling you, man. You plant that seed right there. That's a mighty oak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. I love that.
1: And here. And here's why. We start off every generation from scratch. When you have other cultures, let's say, for example, they buy money. What do I mean, buy money? They buy insurance policies. Mm-hmm. If you're Asian the first person that comes to the country buys a million dollar policy. So when that person dies, the next generation starts off with a million dollar policy, with a million dollars. Wow. So <laughs> it's transfer. So so w- when I talk to people about a $50,000 $50, policy, they look at me like, "I that's not, that's not worth my time. But when other cultures are buying millions of dollars legally mm-hmm. and setting themselves up generationally and we are leaving each other with a bill and they're giving each other houses and land. But we, that's, that's where the re-education comes from. And that's, that's where we, we need to teach our people.
0: Man, listen. I'm. I'm just gonna read it again because if people didn't get what you just said, I want to explain to them that what you just said is that your passion is to create generational abundance through financial re-education. Man, you just listen. What you just said, you just educated me because I never. I know. I'm familiar with. Let me say it this way. I'm familiar with the quote-unquote black tax, right? And that's that's one of those things that causes us to be behind in the generational wealth. But that was my first time, you know, ever hearing that, you know, about when people are first coming to the country. The first person that gets here, million-dollar policy. So you're set up when I leave. Man, I, I got to go back to the drawing board. I feel like I got to go back to the drawing board, brother. <laughs> Hey, that's good. That's good. So uh, talk a little bit about the financial game plans that you're creating to help people get out of debt and create lasting wealth.
1: So uh, number one, people don't need more products. We have checking accounts. We have savings accounts. We have life insurance. We have um, investments, yada, yada, yada. What we need is a strategy or a written game plan to, for our unique situation. Mm-hmm. Not for the next man or the Joneses. If you're in debt, when is your get out of debt date? If you're investing, okay, how, when will you be able to walk away from the job and have your money start working for you? It ought to be written down. Um, So that's what separates me from the pack. I will walk you through what areas you need to focus on in, in order to have some peace. Working with me will give you peace.
0: Good stuff, brother. Man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Before we jump into the next segment, is there anything else, any other pertinent information that you feel like you need to share with our listeners right now.
1: Everybody needs a financial goal. I think more people are reactive than proactive. When you can actually design your life, you can design your finances. Um, if if you're in debt, get out of debt. <laughs> if you're if if your income, is COVID nineteen time. Okay, so many people are looking for opportunities many people have their hours cut well what are you doing to enhance or increase your skills just because it's covid-19 every recession every situation like this wealth is created mm. but if you're listening to the news you may think oh we're the the economy is, is about to die we're about to go into a caste society we all this negative information, but people are getting rich, right? So, right, this the stock market, listen, Mike, the stock market went from almost 30,000 to about 23,000. That's like the Dillard sale at the end of the year, that's the time to buy. Yeah, so Tesla, <laughs> Tesla went down to like 300. Mm -hmm. It's like at 1,000 now. So if you didn't have that training, if you didn't have that understanding, oh, it's a bad economy, COVID-19, no. It's the time to start investing into your skills. Yeah,
0: that's good, that's good. All right. Ooh, that's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. (laughs) T- tell us what keeps you up at
1: night ooh man it's it's that that single mother that says i don't have i don't have the money right now to start uh uh my insurance plan but yet she has a cell phone she has car insurance she doesn't, she has homeowners insurance but she doesn't have life insurance for her four kids all that stuff can be replaced, but her life is the most valuable thing to her kids. So that's one thing that keeps me up. Number two is the per- the teacher just like me, uh, that looks like me, who have no financial understanding and nobody's going to talk to him because of where he teaches. So he's not going to give that information until five years down the line. So I, I look at him. He's in my heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are some things that keep me up at night, Mike. Oh, man. Good.
0: That's good stuff. That's good stuff.
1: All right. So there's no doubt
0: that you're a very knowledgeable brother about what you do. Tell us, what, what are you reading? What books do you recommend?
1: Man, um, I'm reading Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within right now. My God, every aspect of my life is being challenged my goodness emotion my emotions uh are being challenged he talks about how emotions are uh action signals for us to act um so and it's all based on our thinking i didn't i thought you just was angry because you wanted to be angry but somebody made it but you can control your 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 emotion. So I'm getting a handle on my emotions, uh, setting proper goals for every area of my life. Health goals—I didn't know there was a difference. In, uh, maybe you can help me out. But uh, there was a difference between health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Fitness is being able to do the the exercise, but health is having all things functioning all all at the same time. Yes. So. Um man, awakening giant within is always good outwitting the devil that's an awesome book by napoleon hill uh teach you man drifting drifting is the number one cause for people having no purpose in life, and I was a drifter until I got around people who had purpose who had vision, but um that's one of the main things that's killing our society is that they have no definite purpose in life. Yeah,
0: yeah that's good. That's good. All right. Good, good recommended books. So I told our, our last guest that I'm, I'm just stealing, I'm stealing all <laughs> of these recommended books. Um, so I'm just going to put it out there. You know, people who, you know, Christmas, my birthday's coming, barns and Noble <laughs> gift cards, people. Barnes and Nobles gift cards so I can continue to build my book list um, that I'm getting from my guests. So what are you listening to? What kind of music?
1: Honestly, uh, I love House Fires. Um, don't know much about them. I just love their music. Very relaxed. Um, good, good Father. Something like... Um, I also have... unite. I love the new song. I don't know if it's new, but um, You're a Man of Your Words. I'm not exactly certain who made it man of your word as well. Uh united pursuit refiner um, talks about, you know, just, this. it's just a worship song uh, being pure before God. Okay,
0: good, good. All right. So in addition to this podcast,
1: what other podcasts are you listening to? Man? I love Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is like Taco Bell, man. It's the same thing in different ways, brother. Yeah. All he's saying is get out of debt and invest in mutual fund. But he's saying it to everybody the different ways. Yeah, that's all he's saying.
0: I'm, I'm a Davey Framsey <laughs> disciple myself. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. What else? Anything else?
1: Uh, I listen to uh, Michael Kitsey. Uh, he's uh, he's more so for our industry. But um, he he's sharp, uh, he's a real sharp guy. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. all right. Big, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can I add one more? Yeah, go ahead. Fi, if you there's a movement called financial independence. Okay. Now it's extreme. I'm talking about if 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 there's two incomes in a household, you're actually gonna. Your spouse is going to save everything that she has, everything that she makes. And you're going to retire at age 40. You're going to retire at age 55 with a million dollars, things like that. Mm -hmm. So the FI movement, uh, I follow that real close.
0: Okay. Okay,
1: good. That's a good one.
0: All right. So we're going to shift gears, change lanes here a little bit. This segment, this next segment is called rapid fire. It's actually my favorite segment. So, I'm just going to take these random questions, throw them at you. First thing that comes to the dome, that's what I want you to give it. That's what I want you to give us. All right? All right. Now, this question I ask everybody. This is always the first question. If you had a superpower,
1: what would it be and why? Wow. <laughs> I, I think it would be motivation uh the ability to motivate people to come out from where they are uh to to inspire um because i see so many people just stagnant so i would i would have that that ability to motivate people instantly in regardless of where they are and actually bring them to a higher place
0: okay good stuff good stuff all right question number 2 if you woke up and had 2,000 unread emails, and you could only answer three of them, how would you choose which ones to answer?
1: What would give me the most value? How could I provide the most value to uh, that person? So uh, it would definitely be a priority. That would be it.
0: Okay, okay.
1: All right. What's the first thing you do when
0: you get up in the morning?
1: Thank God, man. Um, I'm 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 a grateful heart. Every day I think about what do I have to be grateful for, and that gets me so excited. Um, my many people have. I used to have a blueprint of maybe I'm not a, a millionaire, maybe I'm not uh, where I want to be, but man, I start thinking about where I could be, you know, uh, where I come from, how far I come along. And I just start being so grateful. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm blessed, man.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. This question
0: is a little different. So I'm gonna throw you a little curve ball here. Okay. (laughs) Who have you met that you wish you hadn't?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) That's a good that's a man, that's a God. I wish I hadn't met uh, my mentor um because he he inspired me to the point where I can't turn off what I have. It's like he's put off uh he's put in me a lot of um uh courage to step out in faith. And now it's like now I'm finding my gift. It's like almost like Neo in in the Matrix. It's like you've always had it, Marcus. You you what you're doing right now. You've always had it. So uh, it's I can't turn it off, and that's why I just kind of I'm unleashing what's in me now, and you can see it right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good, man. That's good. We got the Neo of financial advisors. <laughs> on the call tonight all right here we go last question what fashion trend do you just not understand
1: oh man as an educator i can't understand slabbing
0: so not not you know you have to explain that to people
1: oh i'm sorry what when you wear (laughs) when you're wear you wearing your pants below your pants on the ground so if you if you hit your pants without a belt and you holding them. You you don't even have a belt. You just holding your pants walking around. You it. So I cannot understand that. So
0: never will. Never will. <laughs> maybe maybe we just all. I don't know. Right, all right this, last segment, this last segment is my favorite. It's my favorite segment. So my brother, who I think the world of told me that you cannot give people advice they didn't ask for. You just cannot give unsolicited advice because people don't listen to advice that they didn't ask for. The crazy thing is I didn't ask for that advice from him, but it birthed this segment called you didn't ask.
1: You didn't ask.
0: So what unsolicited advice
1: would you like to share with our guests this evening? The stock market is not your enemy. It's a place where you can leverage. and leverage is not a bad word. You, your shoes, your shoes give you leverage to walk. your um, your a wheel, a wheel allows you uh, leverage for friction. So the stock market actually allows you compound compounding your efforts as far as your incomes is, is concerned so if i were you i would learn the stock market i would learn how to invest my money i would uh, not be fearful of it i would get on youtube and start small uh start with companies you recommend you uh you understand do not invest in anything you don't understand so start with where you're spending your money already so get into the stock market. Learn the stock market for someone that you know and trust. Um, if if it's not just one stock, diversify through a mutual fund. So, um, but, but definitely get started and get started now learning the stock market.
0: Great advice. You didn't ask, but there it is. Brother Castile, the neo of financial advisors, <laughs> Thank you for blessing us with your presence tonight. Marcus Castillo, welcome to the network.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Wow. Another great episode. Thank you for joining us this week on the network. For more information on today's guest, Money Marcus, my homeboy, be sure to check out the show notes, especially if you're an educator, he can help you get your finances right. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook, the network podcast. While you're at it. We'd appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. If you go to iTunes, give us a five star rating or simply share the podcast. Tell a friend about the show. Every kind gesture helps us move in the right direction. If you haven't had the chance, be sure to go and listen to the bonus episode, Common Sense Conversations about COVID. And then make sure you come back next week for Episode 9 with Joseph B. Robbins, the owner president of J. Robbins CPA LLC. We're going to continue to talk about financial literacy.